<laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting because, like, again, and we'll go through. We can go through the whole spiel again about like how we were like, oh yes, everyone needs one more podcast yes. involving two two dudes talking about uh, what stuff. Yeah, um, and <laughs> but I I think I think it's interesting. Um, just to just to jump into these conversations i think it's good for me because i felt myself tapping out of pop culture some at some points this year right same which is which is scary to me because like this stuff used to be like my life sure and uh just like being aware of it and looking up every news story and the set photos for some movie coming out let me look at the set photos i used to be that person i um i was like on dark horizons back when dark horizons was really a thing yeah i do remember that vaguely yeah because i don't i i I remember i remember more like because i was more on the superhero sides of things uh i would scan superherohype.com yeah coming soon.net and superhero hype were were quite a a treasure trove yeah way back when yeah um but i think like chud and all those places yeah and i think it speaks a little bit to also uh, how you've turned also from not just being a consumer of the media, but also being a creator and being somebody who is actively participating in yes. making the machine and producing. If we are not constantly creating content, creating content, creating content. <laughs> um, CCC. That is not mine. That is from uh, that is from Janine Garofalo's last comedy special. But the uh, like, I never really like got that joke until right. I was constantly setting an expectation for myself to create content, create <laughs> yes. content, create content. Yes. So um, yeah, and uh, like just in my level of interest is so why I think I also it has to do with like the world yeah. and and my and my general uh sort of displeasure with politics at the moment right. and how so much of my because you remember i tried to go on like a politics cleanse which is impossible in these day and age. It it's just like especially if you're like on the internet and i work on the internet right. so it's like you can't escape it i would find myself because my algorithm my uh, algorithm my algorithm is so fucked by like the young turks right and fucking sam cedar and shit like that because mm-hmm. I, that's that's when i decided i needed the cleanse from it Yes, because it went for me like watching like CNN, uh, CBS News. You know, it went for me watching that kind of stuff. To me, like going so far into the anti-capitalist, progressive like <laughs> circle of hell that is you know on YouTube that I was like okay because like all the, these people just I was listening to Chapo Trap House. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, oh no 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 no, this has to stop. This has to end. Yeah. So I tried to give all of that up. I I, I used um, a different YouTube. Uh, for like a month or tried my my, my damnedest to uh, had to stop watching The View because The View is literally all politics now mm. and 
that that was that was something interesting. It, it was it was an interesting part of my summer to try and deny that because my reflex is to is to gravitate towards all that right. stuff. My ref- but it was taking my mind off of things that I enjoy. It was making me unhappy. And I was, I I just needed, I just needed an out from it. And now I have given myself a bit of a buffer where I can just like engage with it sometimes. Yeah. And then pull back and and, and and then like go days and days without like hearing about it, seeing about it, give or take a tragedy. Yeah. Like the stuff in Dayton and El Paso. Right. But the, um, yeah, that's that. That's been my whole summer. My whole summer has been trying to avoid politics, <laughs> and like, and Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> Avoiding the unavoidable, one day at a time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us uh, are starting to become more self-aware in regards to. Um, how things have sort of reached what's my like fever pitch not a, not necessarily a fever pitch but it's reaching a singularity where everything's mm. kind of folding in on each other like yeah. all the different diff- subjects in culture and society are sort of just fusing to become one constant stream of information and how we interpolate and and present or represent the information, repackage the information, um, and it can be hard to discern. I, I and I think I think these are these are some of the topics that I think we're going to dive in over the course of this podcast. Um, like, what what do you do when trying to discern the difference between content and art? What is just information, and what is more than that what is giving you meaning what is giving you what is provoking different kinds of emotions within you um what was what would be the last thing you saw that wasn't that you wouldn't consider like not content but like just something that you saw and or heard or you know just listened to because even like it, to me, music just sounds like content now because mm. I hate to be this old person who is like, oh my gosh, merp, 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 everything sounds the same on the radio. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even feel comfortable enough saying that because I don't really listen to the radio. Right. But everything that I hear is, you know, all this sort of like uh, trap versions of like the anime girl in the bedroom right. stuff on YouTube and, and and there's a place for it that's fun but all of it sounds like I think that's why like motivation was such a, like a breath of fresh air even though it's not the greatest song in yeah. the world everybody was like wow pop music it uh, what a concept it, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow what a moment yeah you know exactly um, I think film wise a lot of it has come from YouTube, which I think okay. I in in one of our past older episodes of this older iteration of the podcast, I was like, YouTube is going to be the future for independent filmmaking. And uh, the one thing that I was really impressed by was a documentary that was made by Yes Theory, and it was called The Lost Pyramid. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, the story of one of the members of the documentary team. His name is Amar. And he is probably, I think, like, 
if not the only person, one of the few people that have licenses to summit the top of the pyramids in Egypt. Oh wow! He like went. Sometimes I hear about stuff like that, and I'm like, "Why would you even want to do that?" First off, it sounds hot, <laughs> and secondly, it's like, <laughs> and, and, and secondly, it's just like oh, that is just such a far climb. I know. And, uh, like, but he's I, I not to say that I don't admire people who have. I went to go see that movie Free Solo. Yeah. When and the Oscar buzz was all around it, and right? So it ended up winning. Yeah. Documentary at the Oscars, I think it did, and um, the feature documentary, and I like. I was like watching it one having a panic attack because he was falling he yeah. was falling because that's what you do when you climb shit you ain't supposed to climb that's true and he and uh, I was having a panic attack but it was it was also kind of it was inspiring in a way yeah. to see somebody make uh, make that kind of that kind of choice but this person right. was climbing Egypt's pyramids ain't Egypt's pyramids like flat on the side too what you well, yeah it's stepwise it's like down? stairs oh you know I didn't realize that I thought that if you like no. if you like made the wrong step you just slid down <laughs> you had to throw a grappling hook and you were trying to climb up the sides of it <laughs> I didn't need, no. Look, you learn something new every day. I no, had no idea brick, that the pyramids had it, stairs. It's basically like <laughs> bricklaying because, like, they laid it. They laid bricks down to the point where, like, at the very top, it's like, like one, like a couple of sections of brick. But it doesn't look like that from afar. It's like an optical illusion of sorts to make it look almost like it's flat. Um, yeah. But it's one of the. I think that's why it's like one of the great human marvels wonders of the world um but he got this license to summit the peak of them but then was denied by the egyptian government because there was a change in government because it was uh-huh. overthrown right. um or they released there was some sort of uh re-election in the time that he had left egypt to go do other things came back mm-hmm. um and he was denied uh the ability to summit the peak but then um, one of his friends was like, you know, there's a hidden pyramid in Guatemala, right? And so that's the thrust of the whole documentary is that they get this team of filmmakers to go out and just go on this like three, four day adventure through the jungles of Guatemala to summit the peak of this lost pyramid. And it's uh, so those are the ones that I assume have steps because it's in South America. Yes, like, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, it's sort of like yeah, it's sort of like the the temples at uh, I believe Cusco, um, sort of like kind of like that area, but it's mm-hmm. unpopulated. Nobody knew it existed really, and people didn't know how to get there. Very few people huh. knew how to get there. So it's like this. So it's the physical journey and the physical toll it can take on the people involved and then also the emotional journey of Amar as he's sort of he's going through his story about like he's always been an adventurous guy and that's kind of been counter to his family's sort of belief system in Egypt um yeah. they're very strict in their religious beliefs and they didn't really approve of him being a documentarian and an adventure seeker um mm. and his it got to the point where his father has essentially disowned him and uh, he 
can't go back to Egypt because if he goes back to Egypt, he has to be, he has to stay there because he's in the reserve for the Egyptian army and then he would have oh. to serve. Um, so he has, so he has to wait like two or three years before he can actually go back home. Um, Interesting. So he's had like this physical and emotional separation from his family who have kind of been the driving force and inspiration for him to go out and do these things. Um, and also been the hurdles and challenges for him going about and sort of leading the lifestyle that he leads. Um, and so I found that dichotomy and the way that they presented it in the form of a documentary uh, really inspiring. And they also did it like a pay-whatever-you-want type system on their website. So mm -hmm. they're essentially financing future documentaries through okay. people supporting their work. And I think that's the way that filmmaking is going to go they're going to be there's going to be sort of like more proof of concept type things being released to the general public and it's like if you pay to watch this thing this proof of concepts that's like a short film or a documentary yeah just this morning um fucking that jurassic world thing yeah exactly that the 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 short film that they released i haven't gotten to watch it yet but i've heard nothing but like praise about it like if yeah, they put it's that better behind than the two movies <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah if, but if know? they like put it behind a paywall that mm -hmm. could have financed the next jurassic world's hands down they wouldn't have even needed to go to the movie studio and that's i think the most exciting thing about filmmaking in the modern era is that it, it can be very easy once you have the right kind of momentum behind you to mm. finance something of that scale like a Jurassic World. So that's kind of like, that's the one piece of media that has like been super inspirational and has started to have has helped me start to think differently about how to market and distribute uh, independent film. Yeah, I, um, the only thing I would push back on is this is the idea that like something like the Battle of Big Rock or I, I, feel, I think that's what it's called, the Jurassic World yeah. chart, something like that. I don't. That is obviously very expensive. It was produced by a major studio, right. Universal, put it up. Right. I'm not entirely sure if an independent uh, creator could. Um, muster up something I think of that particular quality I think right. as of yet I mean who knows where technology is gonna be I, we, they putting people's faces on other people's bodies now <laughs> in, in the technology yeah. so I think that um, I think that yeah I think that's somewhere we, we, could, we could go I think one thing that's interesting to me about this year and sort of looking at it from a bird's eye view is uh, this sort of weird stasis that Hollywood is in? Yeah. Um, post Disney's buyout of Fox, yeah. Because nobody knows what to do with it. Like everybody's right. like everybody's 
plan B or everybody's re- reaction to it, we should say, yeah, is coming in 2020. So like no <laughs> one really knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And the the like dropping of Disney Plus has been this like looming specter over the entire entertainment industry for almost like a year. Yeah, exactly. So it's that's really interesting to me. Yeah. I'm super I'm more invested in how the other studios are going to react to Disney's dominance because they really didn't have a chance to. One right. because the finalization of the Disney Fox deal right happened and then like everyone went into like doomsday mode and right. like there were all of the pieces and I think Hollywood Reporter had like a piece about it and like obviously it's awful all those people lost their jobs and stuff like that but like yeah. the illustration on the cover was like Mickey Mouse but with like a fox tail hanging out of its mouth <laughs> like <it's, laughs> it was a it was a lot and and it was a lot of immediate reaction to this huge huge thing yeah and that you know and again it's something that you can't even talk about it without getting into the politics of it because would this have happened if Robert Iger was not friends with the president so that is <laughs> you know it, it's, it's, it's all tangled up in there yeah. and I'm interested in seeing one again how the studios react end up like it react in earnest yeah. to Disney's current sort of market share domination and then and secondly, Disney, the company itself, sort of uh, just blew its like wad of like noticeable IP this yeah. year. Like this everything is, was like it, it's what they it's had all the, over three Marvel, yeah, three Marvel movies. Um, I think all three of them crossed a billion dollars even though sony made spider-man yeah um i think but, every disney film every live action disney film has crossed a billion dollars except for dumbo oh that's right yeah i forget that dumbo, for dumbo happened <laughs> yeah like a lot of people did because I, I, I really don't understand who needed another dumbo but the but when you you want to talk about like something that's really really interesting is that now i think they have mulan next year they do and but like all of their verticals are like not directly in focus anymore yeah uh star wars has taken a bit of a star truce after (laughs) um after this new jj abrams one is coming out yeah there's two Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that are coming out next year and they both are like Black Widow and The Eternals. Yeah, the random parts of the world. Yeah, it's just like, I I don't don't know. And Disney Animation doesn't have any sequels lined up for the next uh, few years. And neither does Pixar. So that's interesting and everyone's just like, oh, we want Disney to take risks and it seems like they are, but like, does it matter as much when they have so much market dominance yeah and, it, and yeah what, what is a risk in the context of we own a third of the the entertainment industry yeah so that's <laughs> that's something that's interesting i'm um also 
I think in the uh, initial version of this thing, I made the prediction that um, I made this prediction that, you know, we were going to see like a sea change in pop music and that Rihanna was going to come back swinging. And Rihanna said, bitch, you thought (laughs) Uh, because she's like, no. Like I yeah. am fashion girl now, yeah. And y'all can get your um, your you have to wait. and your nanas from somewhere else, yeah. Because uh, you know, and and she is, she is talking about the album. Apparently, it's a reggae album. She's enjoying making it and stuff like that yeah but like she's also floated around the idea of it being her last album and stuff like that so yeah that's really really interesting and i and i don't know we you have like the two biggest names in pop music i think right now which are i would say ariana grande and taylor swift mm. um ariana grande is I don't I don't really and and maybe it's not for me to get because I turned 26 in January and I think after you turn 26 pop culture stops being for you but um, the I, I I just don't um I don't get I don't I don't see where pop music is heading especially because i think we watched the vmas yeah and everything was all over the place it It was was. just and not in like a in a variety kind of way in just like a i don't i i I don't know what to make of much of any of this right um because the the old guard that used to be sort of the arbiter of what's hot and stuff in popular music namely MTV right doesn't know what to do with it e- either like yes. there there's this moment in there where they ke- yeah. kept hyping up Normani who was going to come out and perform motivation for the very first time yeah. and then she was introduced by Lenny Kravitz but Lenny Kravitz like introduced her like the the artist her before that yeah and then and, she did a set she did like a, she, oh, yeah. a single song set. Yeah, she did a sing, and the song was about like basically take taking down the artifice of something like the VMAs, right? And she's there performing it, and then you have like what is the antithesis of that thing come out, which is Normani and motivation, which is exactly. very much a, like a, a, a the closest we get to bubblegum pop these days. Right. And, um, and like in just this really weird shoehorned and truncated way, I thought that like maybe like towards the end, her was going to come out and do like a solo over like the last chorus of motivation or something like that. That would have been cool. (laughs) Nothing, nothing like, like two black women on stage. One of them's got a guitar. One of them's dancing her ass out. That would have been cool. Yeah. But like, uh, and, and, and I think it also happened. It was due to there being so much demand for Normani to perform right after that single. It dropped and yeah, so on and so forth so there is so um and and you know every everything else is like the spooky girl i still haven't listened to her album (laughs) really i still haven't and i said i was going to and i just keep avoiding it for some reason but everyone seems to like her and i don't have a problem with the songs that i have heard yeah it just seems it i don't uh, 
I think I'm putting it off so much that like my brain is reacting to it as if it is a chore. Right. And I don't and I I, I need to sort of rectify that. I think but, it's like, a she's chore. 17 years old who is supposed to be like, you know. Yeah. She's supposed to be the target demographic for this thing and she couldn't even right. be bothered to show up. So yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on tour. But um I think I think with Billie Eilish it's uh it's an interesting thing because um, she is very much, I think, the one of the end results of the whole new wave of SoundCloud music in general. Not mm-hmm. just not just SoundCloud rap, but bedroom pop, but like those things mixed together. But also with general pop music sensibilities about it, because a lot of the driving force behind that album is just her and her older brother and the fact that they were able to make one of the most acclaimed pop music records of the year by just themselves and maybe like one other dude or one other girl for mixing and mastering is pretty impressive Um, and that I can't fault them for but I think where it's hard where it's hard to uh jump into them is the fact that in dealing with listening to the the music of Billie Eilish or the mm-hmm. music of Phineas you also have to come to terms or be approach and confront the the status of them as like pop culture artifacts of this year I guess. Yeah. Cause I, and I, and I think that's where, I think that's where the hesitancy can come in because you're not just judging the music. You're judging the collective opinion of everybody else that has said, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh, and you know what it reminds me of? Uh, Cause you know who else came out and was really big for a year and, and spooky, and then sort of disappeared. Uh, don't know. Lord. Oh, that's right. Yes, and she made a great second album too. She did make like, uh, and just out of just sort of vanished. And I will and say, like, I think Billie Eilish is sort of the spiritual successor to Lord in that way. It's just a, it's more of a. DIY push in the direction of Lord. Yeah, she's she's less gothic yeah. than Lord, I would say. Less, but, really? I, gothic in terms, I think, in terms of maybe like performance. Because whenever I see the girl perform, it's it's these, you know, um, uh, sp- <laughs> uh, spooky, scary skeleton ass songs. <laughs> but it is. But she just looks like any old. She looks like little Zan just rolling across the stage and just, right. And that's fine. And right. that's that's a performance style that people respond to and stuff like that. Whereas Lord got on stage and she would like pop lock, but in this like Rosemary's Baby kind of fashion. <laughs> and yeah. you know that was her thing. Yeah. Um. I think. I think probably my biggest takeaway from this year so far in popular culture is that I'm very excited for what 2020 is going to bring. Yeah. And I, I think even, 
for me, sometimes I like in the midst of a year, I'll be like, oh, well, that looks great. That's yeah. it's kind of kind of better. But I, th- I think this has just been like a really weak year quality wise, especially because so many of the big things that have come out have disappointed me. So like, sure. Um, me and Micah, we went on uh, Real Hooligans, which is a local podcast here in Kansas City, and we talked about The Lion King and how just insanely indifferent I was to it. And, That's interesting. And, and like to the point where like there were things about it, you can't really ruin The Lion King. It's right. The Lion King. The story. Yeah. Is is basically there and it still works, um. But it was the one because the, with the Disney remakes, I think there's been a lot of like, why do we need this? And that I never had that really until this one. Yeah. Just because the only purpose for it seemed to be the photorealistic animals mm-hmm. and the photorealistic animals did not work in service of the film at large. Right. So it eh. but um also I would say Spider-Man Far From Home. I found yeah. it to be the dullest thing that I've watched this year. <laughs> I like there would be moments of like a little bit, you know, Zendaya is or Zendaya. Her name is Zendaya. Zendaya is <laughs> Zendaya is, is, really, is Michi. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she's she's very funny in it, and there's little bits and pieces of it. But I and and I'm I'm waiting to see if like it. I really did just like shut my interest down after Endgame. Sure. A movie that I enjoyed. Yeah. But I and don't... Again, in, in in that same regard, like, I watched it once. I really enjoyed it. I had emotional reactions while watching it, but it is not like I have revisited it. Like, yeah. I watched I it and that's it. I any of the Marvel movies at all. Yeah. And as, as someone who... And for me, I think for the longest time, I've just been like, oh, well, you know... I don't remember the best burger from Sonic that I ever had. <laughs> it's true. Like it's it's a thing you go, you know what yeah. you're getting and you remember and, the first you time that it. you go. Yeah, probably yeah. You remember the first time that you go, but then all the other times you're comparing it to that last time that you first time you go in. Yeah, I remember because there were extenuating circumstances, but I remember very vividly the entire process that we went through to see the first Avengers movie more than I remember basically the other 23 of these movies. Right. And I don't I don't know what that means for the largest and most like financially successful film franchise of all time. Like. Well, I mean, I think I think it means we're we're tapping out. I, I, yeah, that that really that's really it. Um, because because and and like and it's not even that I'm like oh I wish that people would like not go see Marvel movies and go right. see The Farewell. Like I love yeah. The Farewell, but you, both of these things can exist. I think uh, and and have their and have their purpose in their place. My thing is. I think that now these huge spectacle things take away from smaller spectacle things. Right. Me and you are the only two people I think on the Gemini man hype train. And I, <laughs> yes. And, and because like I, you know, it, 
and you know so, like joker or something is gonna come and eat its lunch yeah and i'm tired and, and i'm tired of that i'm tired of like the only like sort of high concept but like pared down and specific stuff that we see like that only happens on netflix only happens on hulu can Who only does? be like that damn has C to trailer has to be seven to ten episodes long yeah like I, I i i saw that trailer for c and with the jason momoa show on fucking apple plus yeah and i was like this i would see this movie in a heartbeat right but exactly. to but to sit down for like six hours of it yeah and, he, and here's something that's interesting i think that over overseas in the UK they have a long television history of limited series right right and the thing they come they come out they tell the story in like three to six episodes I used to love watching British TV British TV cares about chill time Sherlock Sherlock yeah. was a fantastic watch and uh but and and now we're getting that but we're not getting it on tv we're getting it in this new version of cable that's about to start popping up over the next two or three years yeah and that's terrifying right and 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 all again all this like even even stuff that i ended up enjoying i was just like oh 10 years ago that would have been a movie sex education that would have been a movie 10 years ago that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. daybreak the new zombie show yeah coming out on netflix that <laughs> yeah. would have been a movie 10 years ago it's yeah it's it's scary to think about a little bit but um i i don't know i i, I i'm taking it one day at a time Mm-hmm. at this point because uh and, and trying my hardest not to get too cynical about it too because i don't want to like become right. fucking like david Ehrlich or anything like that but i it it is frightening and frustrating i'll say that yeah i think we're just in a lull year where yeah um you know we're getting giving more opportunities to I mean, at least in the context of music, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm thinking about it, we're giving opportunities to um, artists that deserve the opportunities um, yeah. to present music. Because like, Lizzo. yeah, your Lizzo's, your Billie Eilish's, your Little Nas X's, your um, Megan The Stallions, mm-hmm. your uh who else i guess even to an extent like sean mendez and camille camila cabello louis capaldi louis Louis capaldi louis capaldi ended up on like two of my playlists last year yeah and i was like oh that's that's nice yeah and then like I was dating someone for a second and he had a car. So I was in a car a lot more than I usually am. And <laughs> and we would listen to the radio and that someone you love song was everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh wow. That's that. That's really interesting. And I also noticed there's now a swing back towards alternative radio a lot more now. Mm-hmm. So you have your Louis Capaldi's coming out with music like Someone You Loved, and you also have your John Bellions coming out with Good Things Fall Apart, which is like mm-hmm. 
a hearkening back to the pop punk 2002 lyrical stylings of that year yeah outfitted in like an edm setting with uh elenium sort of djing the sounds i'm glad that i listened to the acoustic version of that song before i listened to <laughs> the regular version because if i had heard the regular version before i would have never listened to it ever again <laughs> I was, I was, I, no shit like i i, I really enjoy john bellion no shade to elenium whoever you are i just it, it couldn't be me yeah. No, I understand that. Uh, basically coming from... it's def- The acoustic version, it definitely leans more towards your taste and sensibilities. Um, I, I, I feel like. And here's... And, and I don't... E- and I don't know if it's just EDM because I, rem- you know, 2012 was a year. I remember being in some EDM. I will but say... I th- I will say the live version of that song, it kind of follows the EDM version, but it's performed with a band and it rocks. It's like that a rock. It's like a rock difference, song. Though. Yeah. That makes all the difference. I, I went to see Drake last year and um, at, at the behest of a friend who got some free tickets and <laughs> we, uh, because why not? <laughs> why not? Migos were also there. I only got a smidgen of the Migos mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we missed basically their entire set, yeah. which was fine by me. Um, <laughs> and then and then they came back on for like yeah. Stir Fry and um, whatever that one on last Drake's last album that they had together. But Walk It Like a Target? That one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, they came back for that. And, and Drake puts on a pretty damn good show. I also learned that I knew way more Drake songs than I remembered. He's been around for about 10 years at this point. Yeah. And it, and, um, and stick a pin in 10 years. We'll get back to 10 years. But the one thing that I thought was interesting is that I was like, okay, this is the first concert that I've personally ever been to that did not have a backing band. Oh really? Yeah, it was because I because I don't. What is what is a rapper gonna do for me at concert? I don't go to rap concerts. Are they sure. given? Uh, and and I think that it is one a a holdover from being um, a pretty big rock fan in my youth. And right. secondly, when I see pop music, when I feel pop music, when I want to pay money to experience pop music, my standard is Beyonce, which is unfair to other people. It, but, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> but um, I, w- I, I really enjoyed Drake, and I said that if on his next go-round he has a band, I would not mind paying to see him again, because yeah. that was a fun show. Yeah. I will say the 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 John Bellion show was really cool. I went I went to see him at his hometown show in uh, Long Island at the Jones Beach Theater, which is a cool venue. It was on the water, so it was yeah, like that's fun. So it's like the stadium. It, it, it's like a stadium, so it curves up like a like a football stadium. Oh. And then there's an amphitheater. There's like an amphitheater section, and then the stage, and then beyond the stage, there's just like this lake formation so there are like boats sailing along like this lake um so they could literally like sail over and watch the show or listen to the show if they wanted to Mm -hmm. um but it was just like this like 
you get the ocean breeze because you're close to the beach, uh, especially, and it's really cool at night. And, you know, uh, I think, I mean, from what I gathered, it wasn't unlike a lot of his previous shows on the tour, mm-hmm. but there was something about the energy of him being at home. Yeah, the hometown show is always going to be a good show. Yeah. And I mean, like, the band, the op- the band that he signed to his label that opened for him and came back out and did uh, a couple songs in the set. Um, their name is Lawrence. They're also from New York as well. So it was like, everybody was like, at home, they were, they were like top-notch at their best game full of passion and excitement and the crowd was like hinging on the words of every single song lyric being sung and it was like it was it it was one of those experiences where you're just like man that was a near perfect show where Mm -hmm. it was like and and the level of musicianship was wild it was like it it was unreal it was like yeah, definitely a lot of he he brought together a grouping of some of the best live musicians uh, to play currently. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really it's really fun to watch a guy at the top of his game play with musicians at the top of their game at a hometown show. It's just it's there's no other kind of experience like it. I imagine if if. Uh, we went to see Beyonce in Houston. It would be the Last same energy. Last time I energy. saw Beyonce, it was in Houston, and it, <laughs> the energy was wild. <laughs> yeah, she started hitting. She started doing this dance called. I think they said it was called the Southside, and it was funny because she started doing it like at the end of Ape Shit, and yeah. then like the entire crowd started <laughs> doing it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> well, that's fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I'm. I think I'm most excited about in pop music because I don't know there was a degree of musicianship and humility that came with that kind of like collection of musicians and I think we're going to see a lot more of that mm-hmm. um, just in general I think because I'm seeing it a little bit with the Billie Eilishes and stuff mm-hmm. like that um, so it'll be it'll be nice to sort of see that come back in a way and I'm interested in seeing how the old guard adjusts, the new old guard adjusts to becoming the old guard. Right. Right. Because That's I, true. I, 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 you can feel Beyonce doing it. Yeah. Uh, like oh, in yeah. real time. But her contemporaries, is, is, there, is there room in the space, in that space still for, you know, let's say like a Christina Aguilera? Yeah, uh, for Justin Timberlake anymore. Justin Timberlake seemed to exhaust a lot of goodwill in his last album cycle. <laughs> um, the... Well, we'll see, because he apparently was in the studio with Lizzo. So I have no idea what he's cooking up now. Hey, so long as it's so long as it's not that damn song flannel, <laughs> <laughs> because. <laughs> Because uh, he went out <laughs> to like the sort of like a patch of a tree yard <laughs> in like a pea coat <laughs> and called his and like put Chris Stapleton on one song 
and now he's the man of the woods. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that, shit, uh, that shit had me dying when I like first heard it. But then I like listened to the album and I was like mad about it. I was like, one of these sounds don't go together. This, you know what his, you know what Man of the Woods sounded like. Man of the Woods sounded like the song in La La Land that John Legend sings. <laughs> that you're supposed to that it has all of those weird obnoxious sounds thrown into it yeah. because you're supposed to balk at it right. in comparison to all of this white jazz that's permeating right. the rest of the movie yes and uh that's what that's that whole album sounds like so i was like uh no 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 no, no. i can't do well i think it. it just sounded like uh it sounded like sweetener a lot like sweetener just because pharrell was like the driving force behind the majority of the ad album mm-hmm and he like reuses beats sometimes which is really annoying yeah like have you uh, like um nice which is song from everything is of the last that carter's album from last year yeah i love that song it's great but it's also just neon guts by Lil uzi Vert. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> there you go uh, you know what are, what are you doing here and he like it was I guess a consultant on uh, the new Lion King as well, like a musical yeah. consultant on the new Lion King. He was on. But he like, was on it for like one of the songs. He was well. He was on the gift, but he yeah. wasn't on. He, but he he was like a literal like producing consultant for oh. the songs that were in the film. Okay, which are like I was like, all right, yeah, fine or whatever. The songs that are in the film, I think, are fine. Yeah, yeah. They they like yeah. They're they're interesting enough reinterpretations of it. The only one that I don't like, hilariously enough, is "Can You Feel the Love Tonight." <laughs> but the but yeah, I, I don't I don't know I don't know what Pharrell's deal is or and if that he could can come be, back from it. Maybe yeah. he'll have a new song on that that uh that third Minions movie that's gonna come out and and knock the world's socks off with another happy. But yeah. if only we could have another one of those because that that's actually not bad. Like I enjoy listening to that song. No, that's a good song. Um, but it, the he's air also was thick with it. <laughs> yeah, but he's also another one of the old guard that I'd be interested in watching. Pharrell. But he was the old guard when his last big moment was, because Pharrell's Happy. been around from like since I was like in elementary school. Sure, so, but I don't I, think. I mean, like I don't think he got. I mean, he did like the trifecta of huge mainstream appearances because he did in succession blurred lines the voice and happy and then released his album and mm. then kind of like went back to producer well, yeah, mode. that was that was that was his like biggest moment um i would say yeah he w but he was very much like sort of like a, a more extreme case of lizzo where it's just like that all of that sort of like happened for him the culmination of this like uh almost 20 year career he had had up until that point yeah. happened to him in like three years which is yeah. which is crazy to think about but yeah um we're almost at time <laughs> are so, we yeah Holy i think cow. so uh, do you have uh flatlines this week do i have a flatline this week for for this the rebooted episode of our, our our podcast. Oh, I would like people to stop saying that Beto O'Rourke rebooted his campaign. I don't know what that means. 
What does that mean? I don't know. It's like, but like people keep saying it, and I'm just like, where did he go? Did he go away? He didn't. Like, well, I mean, was he one me of wrong. the front this runners m- initially? Mm-hmm. He's one of the people that people were talking about. Like, yeah, it, it, like it's always been like Joe Biden, right? Versus everybody else. Mm-hmm. But then it was, but like then there's like smaller camps in there there's like the warren sanders camp right there is uh booty judge mm-hmm. there is um uh what's that man's name julian castro yeah um and 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 so on and so forth but then beto's just been this outlier because basically everyone's been telling him to run for senate like you got so close to beating ted cruz last time you do not need to be president of the united states at least very much not like not right now right and he had this like outpouring of like real raw human emotion after the shooting in El Paso where he's from and he's just been cussing up a storm and let me tell you what I love cussing Beto (laughs) I do I do I just want him to go cuss in the Senate (laughs) (laughs) like there's there's like an unruliness about him that reminds me of British Parliament a little bit I think that I think that's why it feels like he's been in the conversation for a lot longer than I think he then I think he, like it's why it's why they're saying he's rebooted it mm-hmm. because there was discussion about him back in like last year's general election yeah, which is yeah, why yeah. I think I think that's why people are like oh he rebooted you know yeah I really wish that Congress was like parliament because when I get tired of watching uh like y'all's president talk about like <laughs> brown folks and uh and and nuking hurricanes and shit like when i get tired of that i will go and i will like uh see what the world's other major superpower is doing uh Mm -hmm. which is uh to say not great (laughs) and then uh and, and and all their stuff and parliament is so funny because it's really all of these people just yelling at each other like and over each other it just like this mass of people just screaming until the guy who's in charge of parliament goes order (laughs) order (laughs) order in this establishment it is like you'll just be keep banging the gavel and it's order (laughs) and it's it's the funniest thing in the world I love it so much um uh but you know that that's 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 <laughs> that's the most that I get out of this particular mm-hmm. uh, part of this election cycle. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry you didn't get to say if you had a flatline or not before I started talking about Beto and all his cuss words. Um, I really didn't. If if I was really gonna think about one that was like the thing on the tip of my tongue at the moment and like what's present in the conversation is the whole conversation about that one dude that got fired from SNL today oh, got yeah. hired and fired in like the span of three days mm-hmm. well, you do clownery and not the right <laughs> kind <laughs> 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 uh, look, I, that, that is that has been very interesting um, yeah. to, to see unfold my, uh, I would say that one thing that irritates me about when dust-ups like this happen and it doesn't directly involve anti-blackness it is like then 
other communities of color right uh if like it doesn't get a ton of traction or not the amount of traction that they want will start like yelling and screaming about how if this was happening to black people this look cuz <laughs> here's here's the thing it's it's one of those things that like um there'll be a quote from some party in Hollywood about how some corner of Hollywood needs more uh, diversity and stuff like that or like right. oh what wouldn't it be cool if like superman was a person of color yeah or or or, 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 or oh it it was like um uh what if like uh Riz Ahmed was James Bond and then somebody was like we don't want a black James Bond and black people on the internet are just like see we were over here just <laughs> eating the Popeye's chicken sandwich and minding our business and and no <laughs> and, and no one will like leave us alone right like, even when we not in the middle of stuff yeah. and it's really annoying yeah but I, I think that that's actually a very interesting story I think yeah. that there's gonna be a, a ton of dust ups about like quote unquote cancel culture because uh it's annoying that it were like their excuse was like we needed a better vetting process and i was like everybody else found that like on the internet in two seconds googled it (laughs) yeah so i was like i was like well now google's a corporation But the, yeah, it's 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 wild to think about, and they had to fire him because it would have just plagued them the entire upcoming season. Right. And at the end of the day, the people who are mad because you can't, or because like it, it, they want white male comedians to be able to call Asian people racist like slurs and stuff. Yeah. Like those people will move on to another thing. Like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will like post a smiling selfie and then they'll go tell her to like, I don't know, like jump off a bridge or something. They'll have other priorities. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. All those people are. Yeah. Yeah. There's really nothing to worry about there. And now this guy's going to get like, I mean, maybe Everybody seems to be exaggerating what's actually oh, going to going happen to, to him. He's going to Dave Rubin. He's going to fucking Ben Shapiro. He's going on Joe Rogan. Yeah. You will you will see all of this guy. Well, people are saying now, nah, he's going to get an ex- he's going to get an uncancelable special. Like Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's going oh the guy SNL tried yeah. to try to take down and it's yeah. just like, "No, you were racist on camera." very recently and uh, in a very lazy and just <laughs> it wasn't even terrible man it was just you being a racist person yeah <laughs> so it's yeah but uh but yeah that yeah. was my flat line just the whole ordeal around that and how just like what <laughs> yeah you think uh, th- i think i think my flat line more comes around like nbc and Lorne Michaels and all those people just being not responsible with their again their vetting process but like not really their vetting process because it takes like five seconds to find something like that nice um so I think I have one flat line 
Well, two flat lines. There's a good one and a bad one. The good one is everybody should just go watch that Jurassic World special. I, I, I think yeah. that, that like short film. I think it was really good. It's always nice to see Andre Holland. The special effects on it were great. Yeah. Um, it was really tense and compelling in a way that I think the Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom were not. Uh, cool. And if that's the flavor that they're going to be able to bring to whatever this third iteration of that is going to be, I'm down with it. Isn't it basically uh, like what if dinosaur but in walking down the street yeah basically cool that's so, like which i think was the promise of jurassic world as a concept initially yeah but then i remember i remember to, the uh i remember the reasonable be reasonable beef podcast saying they were excited about fallen kingdom because of the premise of what if dinosaur but in bedroom with young child yeah like Jurassic world fallen kingdom is stupid but it's like but like no more stupid than the rest like uh, right. uh, my whole thing about jurassic park is the jurassic park ha- is has two good things in the entirety of its multimedia franchise it has the first jurassic park movie and it has jurassic park the ride at universal studios <laughs> the rest of it is bad the yeah. book is bad the second book is bad the second and third movies are bad jurassic world i refer to it lovingly and sometimes hatingly i guess if that's a word as dumb jurassic park because that's what it is <laughs> and the and the second one is in, in jurassic world fallen kingdom is just like the the last half of it is just the haunted house movie yeah, but the house is haunted by a dinosaur. Like it's, <laughs> it, it, it's just, it, it's just really, it, it's just really stupid. But yeah. it, it, but it's got dinosaurs, and I was born in 1993, and I have uh, a Y chromosome. So, but the, <laughs> um, but the negative flatline. And forgive me if I ever have to utter this man's name on this or any other platform ever again. Bill Maher. Oh um, yeah. Decided to get on his show that he somehow still has, <laughs> and uh, and say in his like new rule segment, I'm assuming that fat shaming needs to come back. Yeah. Now this really isn't about Bill Maher so much as it's about the worst type of person, in my personal opinion. Yeah. The type of person who will use harmful rhetoric and shaming like fat phobia under the guise of false concern right you ain't running up on no strangers telling them they look fat because you care about their health that's not how this works that's not how human nature works you are just a person who has decided amongst yourself that you are too good to exist alongside people who do not fit your version of attractiveness or beauty and you know what at the end of the day that's fine if you have gone to the gym and put your hours in and ate your chicken and your broccoli uh, and, 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 and your brown rice and you've managed to you know get them pillows on your chest and get that washboard on your stomach and that's cool that's cool or whatever and you feel the need to go out of your way parachute into other people's lives and tell them how to live theirs one I don't understand why people can't mind their own fucking business that's the first thing and the second thing Mm -hmm. is if you are gonna be mean bitch why don't you just be mean because I want to let y'all in on a little secret mean motherfuckers rule the world they do. You're not wrong. They do. 
And yep. you really can't dispute that. They are very successful. A lot of them are super rich. A lot of them have a bunch of niggas hanging around them and they're not really fun to be around. You can just be mean and get anywhere you want to in life. Just don't pretend that you have concocted in your brain some sort of formula with which to shame people into the gym because that's not how that works. Uh, right. One, everybody is different. Two, again, mind your fucking business. <laughs> like, like, because at, at the end of the day, people are gonna come to it if they come to it, and if they and if they don't come to it, they just don't. Everybody a, makes choices, yeah. but you deciding that you are so high and mighty and so fine that you have to go out of your way to make somebody feel bad yeah, for looking the way they do because they don't look like you. They don't look like all the people you hang around with. Yeah, that's a you problem. That's a you problem. And at the end of the day, I don't even think you should have to stop doing it. But stop pretending that you doing it for any other reason, but that you have decided that you were too good to exist alongside people that you don't deem worthy of being in your presence, worthy of being in your eye line, worthy of being in your sight. Just be mean, bitch. And that's my fault line. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's a reason it's called personal health. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Get, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And also, like, rich white liberals, just please stop watching Bill Maher. Just please. <laughs> He's not, he, he, he doesn't serve a purpose anymore. He just doesn't. He is basically a neocon who isn't voting Republican because Republicans won't support nationwide legalization of weed. Come on. Get out of here. <laughs> Like and and he's and he's also a part of this whole nother conversation. He's also part of this whole all these bitch made comedians who are out here trying to like shame people for not wanting to hear like transphobic jokes. Yeah. Shame people because they don't want to hear slurs on their night out. Fuck you. And I'm I'm it's I I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over it. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. It's okay. James Corden's response was really nice. James Corden's response was response was very nice and and yeah, a salve to the awfulness that that brought about. Yeah. But and I'm not biased. It was a great response. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because James Corden uh, retweeted your song. Oh, not my song. It was oh, uh, well, well, you singing the song. David's song that I added a harmonies to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's actually another topic for another time. That really is. Um, but yeah, uh, where can people find you on the internet, Dan? People can find me everywhere. Twitter, Instagram. Well, that's really it. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> At at the deeper cell, so at the D P U R C E L L, um, and hopefully within the next few months, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more on another episode. But I have some songs coming out, and so you can follow me on Spotify at uh, if you search Dan Purcell. Where can people find you, CJ? Uh, you can find me on the internet at C E E J A Y. 
period. That's CJ period. I'm assuming you know how to spell the word period. And uh, that's on Instagram and Twitter. You try and find me anywhere else, I'm going to cuss you out. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you also host another podcast. I do, yes. I host a podcast called Below Freezing with CJ and Micah, where me and my friend Micah Black unthaw a different movie that comes in at or below 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. So we're in the, we're in the throes of recording our Halloween episodes. We have five of them. So amazing. I'm super excited about those. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you could, our, our Twitter handle is Dan and CJ, right? Yep. Dan and CJ. Yeah. Reach out to us at Dan and CJ. If you wanted to talk to us about some of the things that we talked about on today's episode, um, also <laughs> pick <20. we're> gonna, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of 500. Um, also we're going to try and implement, um, since this is going up through anchor, we're going to try and implement at some point once we have like some sort of an audience, um, user submitted, uh, conversation starters and stuff like that. that I would lo- love to get you a part of our group chat, so to speak. Uh-huh. Bring you into the group chat. <laughs> because if we ain't got nothing else, nigga. We got opinions. <laughs> uh, so and we'll talk we, with you about them. <laughs> and we will. And we will. So, uh, so by all means, join the group chat with us. Yeah. So, until next time. Bye. Until next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>